Welcome to the Supergirl Supercast. I'm Trisha M. And I'm David Schaub. And today we're discussing Season 6, Episode 3, Phantom Menaces. Take it away, David. John finds Silas, but he is really cold and transforms into a phantom minion. McGann wants to go after the phantoms, but John is still failing to communicate. She goes alone, captures four phantoms, but is almost killed. The supervents survive a base under siege, while John saves McGann. The original phantom escapes again. Kara and her dad travel through a phantom portal to a different phantom zone? Hard to say. Zorel is captured, but Kara is saved by fifth dimensional imp Princess Nixlixlins. <laughs> Supergirl super opens up to this person she has just met. Mm. Nixley is inspired by Supergirl, breaks her bonds, and gets her magic back. They rescue her dad and then go find a way out of the phantom zone. Back in the real world, Lena, with Brainy's help, spars with Lex over Luther Corp. Lena and Brainy really hate Lex, but they decide they can't just kill him. Lena finds out that the only winning move is not to play. <laughs> also, stages of grief continue. Alex may have overcome her depression and invites Kelly to move in. We'll see if John has overcome his both denial and bargaining, too. Right. Well, this was certainly an action-packed and feeling-packed episode. Oh, yes. <laughs> we thought there were lots of feelings in the previous episode, but that was just set up for the feelings in this episode. Hate and love and despair, I guess, is an emotion. Where do you want to start? <laughs> <sighs> Let's just deal with the A plot, which I don't think it really matters, so it shouldn't take too long, which is the phantoms. I was entirely wrong about the phantoms. The phantoms are not connected to the phantoms in the phantom zone. They're not portaling back and forth from Earth. They are just literally uh, vampire, zombie, and infection plague that couldn't overtake the planet now that the phantoms have their full power on earth. It is interesting, but it's just bizarre that every time they interact with the phantoms, they take out all but one, and then they take them all out, but one, and then they take them all out, but one. That one phantom <laughs> really is good at getting away. Yes, yes. So pesky. <laughs> <laughs> and really, that's that's about all about the phantoms themselves <laughs> that I care to discuss. There's lots <laughs> more about how people are reacting. I think the uh, only other thing I really want to mention the phantoms is the CGI, not even CGI, I think it was literally just a morph of Silas to the phantom was probably the most 90s effect I have seen in this TV show ever. <laughs> so is Silas gone forever now? I I think that's the implication, but you never know because he's kind of a vampire and they're kind of acting like vampires a little bit with siring more vampires. Mm -hmm. I would hope that Silas could somehow return, but certainly the implication with the fact that they were about to lose McGann, that suggests that maybe Silas is gone and that makes me sad. I liked Silas. Yeah, he was a good guy. He was doing the right thing by helping these people and they certainly don't seem to have been, well, they have a lot going on, but... Yeah, they could have spared a little mourning for him, I think. Let's slide over to the Megan plotline. Jean was being a jerk, as he is wont to do. <laughs> One more episode of John being a jerk. Yes, yes. He was telling everyone what they should do, and when Megan said, but wait, what about, he cut her off and says, that's an order. Uh, somewhat understandably, Magan goes off patrolling on her own and gets into trouble. But, I mean, John's a jerk. <laughs> I was just trying to understand, why in the world is she taking orders from this guy? <laughs> yeah, who elected him president of the Super Friends? <laughs> well, certainly... Alex's last episode was not capable of leading the team, and 
they do need a leader while Supergirl is gone, but Jean does not need to become a dictator to be a leader. And I don't think they really addressed that. And we've seen him be a perfectly good leader. Yes. Like, this is the thing with these two episodes and how they're just throwing John and Alex under the buses. They have both been the directors of the DEO. They've both dealt with incredibly stressful situations. Yes, they, they have. They are both very good on their feet. And boy, are they just wrecked for these two episodes. Yeah. They're just falling apart. The show wants us to kind of interpret it like they're going through stages of grief and you can kind of count the stages of grief for some of them, but it's just so extreme. Mm -hmm. And I hope that maybe this is the end of them being destroyed by the situation and hopefully they will be back to more themselves next episode. I certainly hope so, too. I mean, we've seen signs that they are progressing because Jean did eventually apologize to Megan. And they talked a little bit more about their psychic-spiritual bond, which was nice that they actually acknowledged that that happened earlier in the season. The binding existed. This is what the binding was for. Yes. Apparently, it's not for some closeness. It's just for a Star Trek Three reference. <laughs> Who knew? <laughs> Right. A copy of Magan's soul resides in Jean and vice versa. And that's how he was able to get her back. To be fair, I did quite like the fact that Brainy tries to describe the Ura run mm -hmm. using another entirely made up word, a Faltorpan <laughs> from Star Trek 3. And even better than that was they give us a shot of Alex, who is just so unimpressed and just shaking her head at him. <laughs> that I just <laughs> adored. It's like, no, no, Brainy, don't do this. There was wonderful bits and wonderful character moments and some great even lines of writing in this episode. The plot itself, whew. Yeah, I mean, I really, really liked that Alex thanked Kelly for being her rock and asked Kelly to move in with her. That was a very nice moment. I just don't like the hoops that they made Alex jump through before she got to that point. Modern storytelling requires characters going through dramatic arcs, and this is what we get. I think it was just way too rushed and maybe just way too much. I mean, it was, to be fair, very CW, so there is that. True. We may as well go on to more on-Earth arcs. So, we have a very dramatic and fun, I thought, scene where Brainy and Lena let it all out, talk about how much they hate Lex, and Lena says, I want to kill him, and Brainy says, let's, <laughs> and starts planning. Then we'll dismember the body and scatter the pieces across the universe. Right, <laughs> and that kind of takes Lena aback. <laughs> it makes Lena take a step back and think about stuff, because she's she's upset. The D DA who prosecuted Lex has been fired for losing the case uh, is the reason given, although I assume Lex also applied pressure to have that happen. And the ADA, who is now the DA, is Lex's buddy. And now they're thinking of making Lena give back control of Luther Corp to Lex. And Lex is just displaying all kinds of terribleness. He sets the children's hospital on fire for revenge against Lena. Just in case we didn't know, Lex is a bad guy. He is a bad, bad person. And, you know, Lena is certainly understandably enraged. And she, she says, I want to kill him. It's just that when Brainy actually starts making plans, <laughs> Lena finally realizes that she doesn't want to live consumed by revenge. Now, I don't 
don't know if her plan to step away from things and just not engage with Lex anymore is going to work because he is a pest. I don't think he's going to allow her to stay disengaged. I'm not sure where he's going when the butler asks him what's next and he says, I'm going to go get more. He goes through a portal and we don't see where he's going or what he's doing, but I just don't believe that he's going to let Lena have her own life now. I really quite liked this entire story arc. I like them battling through Luther Corp. I think it works really well. And I think it gives us sort of this insight into how Lex and Lena as siblings interact and how they constantly would be fighting against each other and manipulating each other. Mm -hmm. It's that thing which Lex obviously enjoys doing and Lena is merely caught doing in this horrible, unhealthy relationship. Right. I did quite enjoy that she used his fake charity foundation and just gave away all the money from it. That that was enjoyable. And used it as a real charity. Right, used it as a real charity. <laughs> so that was fun. But uh, of course, then that just incites Lex to set the children's wing of the hospital on fire, which, yes, he's terrible. I appreciate that the conclusion is to try something else. Like, there's a bunch of things in here where Lena is saying, okay, what we've been doing before doesn't work, mm -hmm. so let's try something else. And maybe this isn't going to work, or this isn't going to work exactly like she's hoping, but I appreciate the attempt to be different. Yeah. I like the callback to the other season, because we had a podcast where we complained about Lena telling Brainy, you should just put your emotions into little tiny boxes. Yes. And we freaked out at that, saying, no, that's not going to work <laughs> long term. And here it is, we see Lena Lena recognizing that. I love the line, brainy, we were wrong. Yeah, it can work short term for getting through a difficult situation, but it is not a good long term strategy. And I really appreciate that her solution to Lex is basically just to say, walk away. I'm not going to fight the fight that he's enjoying fighting with me. Mm -hmm. I like that too. I agree it might not work out exactly like she says. And it seemed a little unreasonable that she would therefore lose everything. I would assume she can give up the throne of Luther Corp and she would still have all of her shares, but we'll see what the writers decide to do with that. Yeah, I doubt that she is now a pauper, but I don't know how Luther Corp is set up, obviously, so they can do whatever they want to as far as that goes. But yeah, she obviously, absolutely does not have to stick with Luther Corp. She's a brilliant scientist. I don't envision her having the patience to go into academia. Um, <laughs> But she could start her own company or something like that. She has lots of options. Really, there's only one season left. She'll just be a really good super friend probably for a bit. We'll see, though. Right. Well, she can be the tech. Well, Brainy is the tech wizard. She can be the biotech wizard, I guess. <laughs> anyway, I like Lena making that choice. Whether it works out or not is something to be seen. But I do like that she is trying for finding a life on her own instead of just struggling for control. And a lot of this really had the best lines early in the episode when Lena and Lex are talking. Lena says, this isn't over. And Lex says, it never is. Yes. And that made the ending particularly satisfying where actually it is over in one way. Exactly. And then at the end, Lena basically has real realized that that setup is wrong and not going to work. Mm -hmm. That Lena says, you can't lose if you don't play, which is also basically uh, paraphrasing war games. But okay, that's fine too. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> Still a good line. <laughs> Still a great line. And I also quite liked her, I think, accurate prediction, which is left to your own devices, you'll self-destruct. 
Yes, I think we can pretty much count on doing that because we've certainly seen it before. And I also, just as long as we're talking about lines that we love, I really liked, I still hate you, Lena says, I just love me more. (laughs) Exactly, which is probably one of the better lines from the entire show. Yep. It beautifully caps this plot line between Lex, Lena, and to a degree Brainy. So I'm just very, very happy with this arc. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I like that she recognizes that he's a despicable person. She does not have to forgive him to get closure. She just has to stop engaging. Exactly. Which is healthy. Like, it's remarkably healthy, perhaps, for this show. Mm -hmm. The reality, though, is, he is very dangerous and they're going to have to deal with him. Yes, it's not quite as simple as that, unfortunately. That's all I wanted to say about life on Earth. So I guess we're left in the Phantom Zone. Yeah, I think they had said last time that the Phantom Zone is no longer one continuity, but that it's been broken up into many little Phantom Zones. And that's why the Phantoms are using portals to go from one place to another. That is definitely what the show probably wants us to think. I just can't tell because they didn't say it. They've said that the multiverse fell away, which isn't really true. It just got replaced with the newer show's multiverse. Mm -hmm. And the Phantom Zone got split into a multiverse, or it's like the multiverse of the Phantom Zones are all now closely connected to each other. And the implication is, yeah, that the Phantoms are portaling between Phantom Zones. That's what I read it as, Mm -hmm. but eh, they didn't really tell us anything. Uh, We're still left trying to understand where in the world they're trying to go. They're trying to go to some anchor point which has some possible portal in connection to reality, which may or may not have anything to do with Fort Ross. But really, I think until we see the next episode, we just don't know. So Supergirl, in talking to Nixley, was saying that at the end, she finally realized, oh, my mother built this place. I can use my knowledge of my mother to try and figure out where this anchor point portal is and you with your magic can get us there safely. I'm not sure why this didn't occur to her until this episode. And you would think that Jor-El would also have some knowledge of his wife's way of thinking. Oh, well. (laughs) I think the challenge was, I don't know if they had a real plan for how to get around. Mm -hmm. The plan currently was jumping on the back of phantoms, following them through portals and trying not to break too many limbs (laughs) when they land. Right. Which they didn't do well. This episode gave us a long time of broken Kara, which is pretty rare for this TV show. I was thinking back to when she lost her powers briefly in a previous season and she was complaining about how awful it felt to exercise and (laughs) not just fly around. And here she's actually experiencing the pain of a broken leg and still giving pep talks to this strange woman. So yeah, speaking of the strange woman, she spills a lot of secrets that you would think she might have been a little more cautious about. To the point where she's really telling us the plot of this entire TV show, and I don't know why. The degree of oversharing seemed extreme. Bad idea. I'm assuming this is a setup because something about Nixley, some shoe hasn't dropped. Yeah. And they needed this ridiculous behavior from Kara, but it just seemed ridiculous. Yeah, it's a little hard to say. Sometimes Nixley Gospitalance seemed to have a secret smile, which implied that she knew. Yes more about what was going on than she was saying. But on the other hand, she did seem overjoyed when 
she got her powers back. So I think it's clear that she had been missing her powers. Yeah, definitely. There, there was not entire deception going on because we saw a bunch of scenes with her and Supergirl unconscious. Right. And she had no reason to act at that point. Right. So I, th- I think aspects of her story are true. I just think there's something else that's going to drop. Yeah, this fairy tale thing about her being an exiled princess and her father killed her brother who was kind to her. There's no way to know if any of that is true at all or if she's just another criminal maniac locked into the Phantom Zone. The one thing which I just do not understand why Kara is sharing is you don't go into a jail of people who are basically being driven insane by how horrible the jail is Mm -hmm. and tell them that your mother made it. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah, that really bothered me that she spilled the beans on that one. (laughs) I wanted Nixley's jaw to drop when Kara said that. (laughs) Yeah, she did kind of freeze a little bit. She had, that was one of the weirdest expressions on her face when that happened. It could have been suppressed rage. Maybe. Or it could have just been befuddlement as to why is she telling me this? (laughs) It's hard because they can't really keep Nixley around being entirely a good person on their side because they're just so powerful. Mm -hmm. I think something is clearly going to go wrong or be twisted strangely when I assume Nixley gets to Earth, if they actually do bring her all the way. The obvious non-benign plot for Nixley is for her to get out and leave them behind. But yeah, she could have some kind of wheels within wheels. I don't know. At some point, I want to dig into the sexist naming convention for Kryptonians that Kara is Kara Zor-El, but Jor-El's son got to be called Kal-El. Yes. <laughs> Something seems wrong there, but uh, I have to do some research, which I don't think I want to. The Wikipedia comic rabbit hole is too deep. <laughs> I was wondering whether Nixley was trying to tell a story of a father who was very much a mere opposite of Kara's father. Mm-hmm. Like, it felt like there were two father stories going on there. I just don't know if it's sort of a Watsonian or Doyleist thing. I don't know if the production wants us to hear these stories of two fathers or if Nixley is just feeding the story of a horrible father to Kara. So I can't tell until we see the shoe drop. Yeah, I just don't know. That just continues to bother me that from Doyleist reason, why did the writers spend so much time having Kara recap her life and how she got here? Well, maybe they think someone just started watching Supergirl at season six. <laughs> now, I already said people should not do that. <laughs> Correct. Oh, speaking of show progressions, uh, I don't know if you saw this, but in my rewatch of the CW episode, it said the new Superman and Lois new adventures return on May 18. So I guess if we keep the same day, we're going to have Supergirl through May 18. Then we'll have another Supergirl hiatus and do probably the rest of the Superman and Lois adventures and then go back to Supergirl. Well, that's interesting. (laughs) (laughs) Why bother repeating episodes of TV shows when you can just intersperse other TV shows in that time slot? I find this unsatisfying. (laughs) 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 Which I suppose means that Supergirl will probably get out of this Phantom Zone by May 18, probably. I assumed that she would get back the end of this episode, but I, of course, was very wrong about where the portals went. The writers took us down some other rabbit hole. Mm -hmm. So now we'll see whether or not it's 
like one more episode, maybe two more episodes, but I have difficulty believing it'll be more than two more episodes. Yeah, well, I guess we could have Nixley get out next episode betraying Kara and Zorel, and then Kara gets out the following episode. I'm not sure whether Zorel will get out. Well, I'm still not completely convinced that he really is her father. <laughs> It'd be funny if Zorel is actually Nixley's father. <laughs> No, that seems too confusing. I still think it's probably her father, but you just can't tell with the Phantom Zone. This arc definitely did not have, I think, as good writing. Kara gives the line, you had the power all along. Yes. <laughs> so just, I did appreciate Kara's jump to, are you a fifth dimensional imp? Because that's just quite the question to just throw on someone. That was quite a leap of logic. <laughs> I did not see any clues before that would have led to that. I mean, maybe with her super senses, she was able to tell physiological things about the princess that were not apparent to us watching from the screen. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that Nixley just used the word dimension and that was enough for Kara. Huh. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Another little oddity is that Nixley Gaspinlitz knew the gang of people who grabbed Zorel for whatever reason. I think they wanted to use him as a hostage for trade or something. I'm very confident they did not tell us what the motivation of that the gang was whatsoever. But she, the princess Nixley, knew them because she was talking to them about a lighter that was the only trace that she found of some dude. I didn't write down the name, but she, she rolled a good bluff roll. That's that's what I took from that. Yeah, yeah. First of all, did she kill this guy herself? <laughs> and secondly, she knows these guys, and they go off with the dad, and she stays with Kara for whatever reason. And then later on, when she, the princess, takes Kara through to the place where the gang is holding Zorel, she basically just poofs them out of existence, right? As much as we can tell. I mean, maybe she just teleported them somewhere else. But uh, the fifth dimensional limps are really powerful. So it's really hard to judge. Mm -hmm. Anyway, it's a little startling that Kara didn't even ask, what did you do? Oh, yeah. Did you kill these guys? Did you send them away? She just doesn't care because she's got her supposed dad back. So that was a little disturbing. <laughs> Normally, Kara would always uh, at least give a, a harsh look for someone killing the bad guys. Right, right. Yeah, so that was just odd. That could be because it's supposed to be odd and we're supposed to feel that things are a little off. Or it could just be the rush schedule of this show. We're in the Phantom Zone. Also, COVID's happening in the filming. Right. Also, the episode is kind of rushed. Also, this story arc is a little weak. Or at least it seems it, but we don't know all the pieces. Unfortunately, there's just no way to judge the cause and effect here. So it's very hard to tell. It ends up feeling a bit weak because they're just not quite selling it and the stuff they're giving to us, they're not quite selling either. So it's mm -hmm. it's really unclear. I was wondering, because I got really confused initially on my first watching, because the cave that Nixley and Supergirl go into is, of course, the same set that Supergirl and her father were in mm -hmm. the previous episode. Now, is that the same cave in a different dimensional <laughs> universe of the Phantom Zone? And it is actually the same cave metaphorically? Or is it just the same set and they reused it. It's just strange. <laughs> I think it might have been the same cave because toward the end, after Nixley 
takes Kara through and poofs the gang, she very awkwardly says, basically, well, I guess you'll be going back to the cave and I'll be going now. So she knows about the cave that they were in. And so that makes me think it was the cave that she took Kara to try and recuperate. It's like we were missing a bit of a conversation that Kara had with her saying what Kara and her dad's plans were. Mm-hmm. I don't think there was a conversation like that. Right. It was just the setup saying, okay, well, I have to go my separate way because you obviously don't want me around because you haven't invited me to join your party yet in this grand adventure. And in order to have that set up, yeah. they needed to have her say something that would suggest that she was going to leave. Just strange. And I don't know. I don't know if it's just this episode's writing for this segment or filming was rushed yep. or it doesn't make sense because it's the Phantom Zone and it's supposed to be crazy and not supposed to make sense. We'll find out. I expect it'll become more very clear in the next two episodes. Yep. Okay. Um, a couple of very brief mentions of things. Lex said he was sending Otis to set fire to the hospital, but I don't think we actually ever saw Otis. So I guess they saved that little bit of budget money and also COVID schedule shooting stuff to just not show the actor. So that was slightly amusing. Also, I was I was intrigued that the butler told Lex that that the Galaxy Gazette was on the line. <laughs> and so obviously Lex is never taking any calls from Catco again. <laughs> So I was just amused by that little callback to last episode. Couldn't it have been the Daily Planet? <laughs> no, no, definitely not. <laughs> I assume that the Daily Planet is involved with Morgan Edge. Because we've already met a Morgan Edge in Supergirl. <laughs> that was a different Morgan Edge. Well, that's true. Different Infinite Earth crisis continuity, whatever. <sighs> It's so painful. I never realized it would be so painful to have the first four and a half seasons of your TV show replaced in the fifth season and not getting to watch them. <laughs> <laughs> it's not an unusual thing for comics to do because comics, of course, reset their continuities all the time. It is part of the genre. Yes. It's just something that we don't usually see mm -hmm. in the middle of a TV series. Right. And it's done a bit messily. It's just disappointing to me that the whole crisis thing said it was going to reset things, but you can never tell where the reset is leaving things in place and where it is not. The reset is almost too subtle. Like That's the challenge, I think, with this show is that some characters have been reset and remember. Some characters probably have been reset and don't remember. Some of them are almost exactly the same. Some of them have entirely different backstories, but they're the same person. Mm -hmm. It really is quite stark. Right. Characters like Lillian, it's just hard to interpret what they've done. Because they were baddies for seasons in the previous show, mm -hmm. and they have never been now. Right. It's just so strange. Right. I'm way behind on all the other CW shows. I haven't watched Flash at all this year. I only watched two episodes of Black Lightning. It's just been hard to keep up with stuff, so I don't know how the other CW shows are handling Crisis, if at all. Or maybe they're just not bothering to talk about it anymore. I think I'm current on Black Lightning. They have not really covered it whatsoever. Mm. There's one case where they actually ask for help, oh. but it's so weak. It's hardly worth mentioning. <laughs> <laughs> I would suggest you get up to date on Black Lighting just because they do a TV thing. It's quite an experience. All right. I will. Anyway, I think I've discussed everything I want to about this episode. 
Not sure exactly where they're going next episode. There were things I liked and things that are still irritating me. <laughs> well, arguably, we're back to the beginning of the episode where there's now one phantom going off and creating more phantoms, yes. which is where we were at the beginning of the episode, except now, hopefully, John and Alex will be in a better place, so the Super Friends will be more effective than they were last time. Right, right. More of a united front and less of the despair and... and uh emotional flailings. May, may the fifth stage of grief acceptance last a little longer before Supergirl <laughs> actually shows up. Right. That would be good. <laughs> Another fun discussion with you, David. Thank you. This has been a fun one. <laughs> I'd like to thank our listeners for sticking with us. If you would like to continue the discussion with us, we're on Twitter at SG Supercast, or if you're on the Incomparable Members Slack, you can... Always leave a message for one or other or both of us there and tell us what you think about what's going on with Supergirl and friends. Bye-bye.